What's good, y'all? What's good? What's good? What's good? Check, check. One, two. One, two, one, two, one, two. Let me tell y'all something, man. People are up in arms about what Cam said, right? Still talking about that. Even though that is nothing else to talk about. And it's been damn near two weeks or even more. Plus, Dupre Kelly, multi-platinum rap artist. And y'all need to know who I'm talking about. All that's coming up right here on Come On, Son, the podcast. Come on, son, 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 what up, y'all? This is Ed Love. And it's Killer Inside the Podcast. And it's overseen by the one and only Combat Jack. Why are we still talking about it? I don't want to talk about it. Everybody's talking about it. It seems like it just won't go away. People just be like, yeah, that it was crazy. Yo, that it, he had on a clay face mask. Yo, did y'all see what he said right after homeboy said that when he walked back to his seat? Did you see the words that came out of his mouth? He said, I'm not talking about it until I get paid. His brother said, when I see you, it's on site. His other brother signed a deal to do some celebrity boxing, and he wants to fight homeboy as his first fight. Yo. They banned him from 10 years to going from going to it. Yet, if he's nominated again, he can still win another joint. Everybody's still talking about it. I don't want to talk about it. Yo, I got into like a confrontation with a dude that not like a real confrontation, but a dude asked me if that's how I felt about it because he's a close friend to not who it happened to, but who did it. And we've known each other for a long time. And I had to remind him, yo, I'm Christian. You're Muslim. That didn't stand in between us being cool. I hope our differences in opinion over it and the outcome of it won't hinder our friendship. And then the wife of the dude that did it is talking about bringing that to her popular talk show. Wow. So it looks like we ain't going to be over it anytime soon. Looks like we'll be talking about it probably all through the summer. Word up. Even every comedian is getting on stage now talking about it. Well, one comedian didn't get a chance to talk about it because he did the bar clays in New York and he got booed, booed mercilessly. Yeah, I'm talking about T.I. T.I. decided to throw his hat in an arena of comedians and played the bar clays along with a lot of other comedians who should have been on stage at the bar clays and he got booed expeditiously booed. And now I'm hearing comedians like ones that I respect, Damon Williams, Bill Bellamy, other comedians, Corey Holcomb, cats are saying, yo, T, we love you, and we don't mind you throwing your hat into the comedy arena, bro. But the arrogance, pipe it down a little bit, and the fact that you haven't put in enough work yet. And same thing they told me when I first started. My cousin Talent, I respect immensely because you got to put the work in. Caroline's, you got that every month. Put that work in there. And nobody hired me until they knew that I was funny. Even my man Rip Michaels, who threw that show, along with his business partners in New York. Ray DeJean, another friend of mine who I respect highly. 
None of them dudes would hire me until they knew that I can do the job. I don't understand. And for Rip, I don't understand why you rip everybody else. Your name is Rip Michaels, but that's not all you do. But you ripped everybody else because your dude from Wild and Out got booed too. You ripped him a new asshole, but you let T.I. slide when you came back on stage after that. Mm, very funny. Did you hire T.I. just to put butts in the seats? Or did you actually think T.I. was a good enough comedian to be on that stage? And I get you, T.I. It's a learning curve. It's a learning opportunity. But when all the other comedians tell you you're going to get booed, you're going to get booed. Thank God I got booed before there was social media, bro. And when you get booed, a word of advice, cut your losses. If they ain't feeling you, say, that's my time. Thank y'all very much. And get off the stage. Because you continuing and you still wasn't funny. And I'm here to tell you, I love you, bro. But that night, you was not funny at all. Cut your losses, get off the stage. Because now, social media, camera phones, all kind of places to put this stuff up on their platform is making you look worse. As soon as the booze would have started and I would have tried to keep going and I couldn't and I wasn't getting no laughs, cut my losses and got right off the stage, man. Did y'all hear about what was going on in New York? Some dude went to the subway, shot 16 people. You know, nobody critical. Nobody died, thank God. Threw a smoke grenade down there. Let me tell you what this asshole did. He rented a U-Haul in his own name, stupid, and then dropped the keys. And guess what? Then called in the tip line on itself. And they got him. Frank James. You're a fucking idiot, dude. We yelling Black Lives Matter and a black dude does this in New York City in the subway. You're a fucking dick, dude. You just, you just a dick. Cam Newton. Cam Newton said something about the kind of woman that he likes. And everybody started trending his name on Twitter. And then I got to listen to first take Steve Stephen A. Smith bloviate over this shit. Right? Talking about Cam Newton was wrong and, you know, trying to use words we really don't fucking use every day. Come on, Stephen A. It's sports. We don't need to hear your whole fucking dictionary full of words. All right? We know that you're a smart guy. We don't need to hear it and be reminded of it every day. You can use normal words like the rest of us, okay? Shit, give us a break, okay? But that wasn't even a topic of discussion for first take, in my opinion, but you and Molly want to go in on it, but you failed to say the man said the kind of woman for me. Everybody else can get on social media and say what kind of man they like, what kind of man they don't like, especially women. But soon as a man says something, he's generalizing. He didn't generalize. He said for me. He said, I don't want, for me, the perfect woman is a woman that cooks, cleans, know how to take care of a man and know how to be quiet when it's time to. For a lot of us, there's a lot of women out there that didn't respond, and I respect y'all highly for that because you know he wasn't talking to you, right? When a lot of women want to run around, especially the younger generation of women calling themselves bad bitches, women that are secure in their position and all that don't need to respond to that. They don't need to call themselves boss bitches or bitches of any kind because a bitch is a female dog if you look it up in the dictionary, and I know that y'all are not bitches. So please stop saying that. If it's amongst yourself, yeah, bitch, okay, fine. But you're getting on social media, you're saying that, and, 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 it's, and it's trickling down to the kids. And now you got these little young girls, no older than 13, 14, calling themselves bad bitches. It's not a good look. Not a good look at all. You're old enough to be able to understand it, but a lot of them aren't. So please think about people younger than you before you're doing some stupid shit like that. And listen 
to what somebody says. If you can have a right to your preference, then Cam Newton should be able to have a right to his preference. If he don't want to quote unquote bad bitch who ain't bringing nothing to the table, who can't cook, who can't clean, who doesn't know how to take care of her man or let their man lead and don't know how to shut up, that's his preference. It's like a gay dude's preference being another dude or a lesbian's preference being another female. That's their preference. If we can't knock them, we can't knock a man for his preference. Thank God he didn't say, I like white women. Lord have mercy, y'all have had a fit. Or if he'd have said, light-skinned girls only apply. Y'all would have had a fit, man. But you want your preference, but don't want nobody else to have their preference. Don't make no damn sense. And last but not least, I had the opportunity this week to talk to my boy. I've known him for a long time. Great friend. When I was living in Jersey, worked together on serving the community because you know you are here to serve. And he does realize that. And he's running for city council in the West Ward of North New Jersey, where he's from. And if he wins, he'll be the first multi-platinum hip-hop artist, period, in the United States to hold a political office. And I'm right behind him 100% because I know his heart. And I know in his heart, the people of North matter to him. So please, give me your ears. We're going to talk politics. We're going to talk why he's doing it. And then we're going to talk hip-hop. When we come back, Dupree Kelly, a.k.a. Do It All, from Lords of the Underground is going to tell you why he should be city councilman for the West Ward in North New Jersey. It's come on, son. And I'm Ed Lover. Come on, son, son, son. My guest today uh, or this evening or whatever time it is where you are is a dude that I've known for a long time. Go by the name of Do It All from Lords of the Underground. We actually did a song together on the Backup Off Me album, me and him and his partner, uh, Mr. Funky and my partner, Dr. Dre, produced by Molly Marlowe. It's called The East Coast Sound. And um, I thought it was a good record. I mean, hindsight, you do the best you can. You know what I mean? And that's all that that's all that you can do. But Dew is doing so many things in North New Jersey, where he's from. We're going to talk about his political aspirations. We're going to talk about um, him running for city council, I believe. And we're definitely going to talk about Lords on the Underground and and Something about the laws of the underground that I've never understood is why are the laws of the underground more revered and more respected overseas than they are here in the United States? But that, that, that's what the United States is anyway. You know, we, we have always been consumers uh, as to, especially music and hip hop. When it comes to hip hop, it's always been um, you were good then, let's wrap you up and throw you away. We don't need you anymore. But not now. It seems like the resurgence of, quote, unquote, that golden era of hip-hop has made its way back, you know? So we got a lot of stuff to talk about. You know, we, we definitely do. So right now I'm waiting on Drew. Do, 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 do. You know, he got a great relationship with Red Man. I want to explore that a little bit. Um, I want to explore where, where, where is Laws of the Underground at as a group right now. Um, I want to explore a lot of stuff with him. So I'm just waiting on my mans and them to jump on on the Zoom. And then as soon as he gets on, we'll, we'll, we'll get this thing commenced. But don't forget um, my TikTok. I have a TikTok. It's Ed Lover. Come on, son. C M O N. S-O-N, C-M-O-N-S-O-N, Ed Lover, E-D-L-O-V-E-R. 
at Love of Kamar Sun. I'm just really learning how to mess with TikTok. So y'all bear with me as I get better with TikTok. Um, I got a Patreon. Yeah, I got a lot of stuff going on, y'all. Patreon page, patreon.com slash Listen. If you subscribe to my Patreon page, you get a free Come On Sun t-shirt. Signed. I will put my John Hancock down on a t-shirt for y'all if you sign up for my Patreon page. And we got a lot of content coming up. The reason why the content, if you are a member of my Patreon page, the reason why the content slowed down is because of these herniated discs in my back. I was unable to sit up straight. If You're not going to see this video, but if you could see this video, you'd see that I'm laying in my bed right now with the microphone and everything propped up. All right, so um, soon as do jump on, I'll be back with you, all right? So don't go nowhere. Hold tight. What's up, Mr. Kelly? Like I said, ladies and gentlemen, welcome. Well, look, he's trying to get his stuff right over here. Got his Nork hat on. <laughs> um, I told y'all I got herniated disc in my back, so I'm laying down being as comfortable as I possibly can. This is as my man, 50 be. grand for a long time, ladies and all. Dupree, do it all. Kelly, welcome, my brother. Hey, what up, big bro? What's the word? Everything is good, man. This, this I'm not seeing any specific titles on this because this is spreading across so many different platforms that I have. Um, I'm mm-hmm. on in the morning in Chicago on Chicago on 104.3 Jams in Chicago. I'm on in the evenings on 94.7 The Block, New York's number one for throwbacks, brand new states. And every Saturday morning, I'm on V103. So I'm spreading this interview with you across all these platforms, plus my killer some podcasts will be taking this too. <laughs> so everybody go get, get a piece of my man. How you been, brother? Man, hey, hustling like a 70s dance, man. It's crazy <laughs> out here. <laughs> so, it's uh, crazy. So you have thrown your your hat hard heartedly into politics. What are you running for in North and why? Well, I'm running for West Ward Councilman uh, for Municipal Council or in Newark, New Jersey, in the West Ward of Newark, New Jersey, where I grew up at, where uh, Redman grew up at, where Rod Digger, Queen Latifah, you know, a couple of the artifacts, you know, we all grew up there. So, you know, it's going to be a, it's going to be an honor, man, to have the opportunity to govern where I grew up at, you know, yeah. and the reason that I'm running, man, is, is to give the people some of the same opportunities that I had and create more opportunities for our, our individuals and our residents in the community. You know, we got a lot of uh, restoring of trust that we have to do in the West Ward. We have a lot of work that we have to do in the West Ward. And I figured, you know, who who's best to do it than the person who's closest to the people in pain? You know, so we got a lot of work to do. What's going on in the West Ward of Newark right now? Um, in the West Ward of Newark right now, man, you have people who are... Uh, who just want economic development, be be empowered economically. We're coming out of a pandemic, you know, so everybody is getting readjusted from, from our seniors who were trapped in the building. They're always usually in the building, but now, now with the pandemic, it kind of just, you know, we lost a lot of our seniors. It hit Newark really bad. And then we got to get our children reacclimated into going to school, you know, that, that, uh, that learning level that was lost by being home, you know, during the pandemic. Uh, so we, we have, uh, some safety issues that we need to get, get together when it comes to, uh, the quality of life in our community as well. So it's, it's a lot of things that we have to, to, um, 
to do to, to get those things better. But it's not all bad, right? We're, we're building developments in our city. There's five parts of the West Ward. So we have buildings going up in the West Ward. We have developments of housing going up in the West Ward and not just big contractors either, neighborhood contractors. You know, we have the Urban League putting up housing that is doing an amazing job. We have a lady by the name of Vivian Frazier who's doing a, an incredible job. We have um, um, lower end developers who are being put with these main contractors so that they can get their feet wet, you know, in the game and, and get some, you know, some leeway into the game. Um, like my man, Syree, he's doing an incredible job. He's straight from Newark getting the opportunity to, to build some housing. So it's not all bad. It's just, you know, we have to do that more, right? We, we do some and we have to continue to do more. And, and that's what we're going to do in the West Ward, man. It's, it's like a lot of times the West Ward has feel like they've been forgotten. And um, we're just reminding them that uh, a brother who is from the West Ward, who, who was born here on 16th Street between 14th and South Orange Avenue, who was raised by the sand pit on 19th Street, you know, in South Orange Avenue, who lived in between 13th Avenue, 12th Avenue, who knows those corridors of South Orange Avenue and Central Avenue, 18th Avenue, Stuyvesant, Sanford, Roseville, all of our corridors that somebody is here to, to be there. You know, presence is powerful. So somebody is here to look them in their eyes, even when we can't get it done, you know, but we have to hold each other accountable. We have to hold the residents accountable, hold the business owners accountable, our educators accountable, but also hold the politicians, hold the people who are in office who are supposed to do what they're supposed to do in our community and hold us accountable as well. Absolutely. How do you gain the trust coming from the world of hip hop into politics to people that look at you and go, this is a novelty, this guy's a rapper, what does he know about? I know you're from there, but how do you gain the trust of the older people that say, Mwah. Well, Newark is a, is a funny city. It's a fickle city. This is not just a, a, a paper game. You can't be the, the politician who pushes a pen across paper just to make legislation, which is, which is the job, you know, renewing and activating old and new legislation and creating legislation. But you can't do that in, Newark, in a city like Newark, New Jersey. You got to be amongst the people and not just being amongst the people. You have to be there, but they want to see a track record, too. They don't want just the rapper, you know, and, and am I a hip hop artist? Yes, I will be one of the first hip hop artists to ever be elected into a, a, a multi-platinum artist to ever be elected into a city official seat ever of, in the United States of America. I mean, Sean Poe got it for worldwide, you yeah. know. Um, as when it comes to a hip hop artist being elected when he became the um, the uh, the leader of the opposition in Belize City, Belize. And and when I win May 10th, 2022, we just going to claim it. You know, I'll be the first in the United States of America. But but in order to, to answer your question, in order to get past the seniors believing in you, you got to do the work. See, I've been doing the work for a long time, even with Lords of the Underground. Right. Uh, my manager, I don't know if you remember our old manager, Hafiz Fareed. Of course. Real cool brother, Muslim brother. He was, you know, in hindsight, you don't realize what your elders are teaching you while you're being taught. You know, in, in reflection, you realize that, wow, this guy was really teaching us how to be men and challenging us to be men. And, mm -hmm. and why I say that is because back then he would say, you know, I see you with Newark on your hats. I'll see you with Newark on your shirts. But what are you really doing for Newark? Mm. You know, he, he would say, you know, you're on BET or you're on MTV or you're on the radio and this. 
but what are you doing for Newark other than shouting them out on your platforms? Right. And I took it to heart, like, wow, like we have to get in the community. So back then, even when our current mayor, Rajay Baraka, was just an activist, you see pictures from me in the 90s when I was opening the mic up for him, meaning that when he was doing, you know, uh, the city against gangs or, you know, stopping drugs and violence in our community, he would ask me, do I heard you going to be on your MTV raps today. And I know it's going to be live. Can you can you uh, mention that this Saturday we're going to have a, a rally and we shutting down Broad and Market? Can you mention that? Because it wasn't no social media. I know right. you're going to be on BET. I don't know if it's live, but if it's live next week, we're going to have such and such. So just asking when it's going to show so you can say next week we're going to be closing down this street. And that's what I would do. I would galvanize the people for him. And because I did that, that activist would let me open the mic up and shout out to the people, which really started to get my voice heard in the community. And I realized that hip hop really can bring the people together. You don't have to be the smartest person at the table to bring the people to the room. You know, just long as you have other smart people that are with you at the table that can play a part. And, and Raz Baraka was one of those guys. And now look at him, he became our mayor. So right. I continued to do stuff in our community, um, like getting lifts bus for our uh, special needs school, um, delivering like over 100,000 pounds of food with two tractor trailers in our uh, needed community. Myself and Redman, we did a beds of art program where we commissioned artists, famous uh, graffiti artists to paint these beds and, and meet families with needs and give them beds. So they're just, they're just not sleeping on a bed, but they're sleeping on something that can appreciate. If art appreciates and you have these famous artists, then we did that. Then we have our digital divide program where we, where we connected the seniors and the, and the youth together. You know, the, the youth or they don't want to listen to the seniors and the seniors are scared of the youth. So I put them together through computers because I found out that the, the seniors are not as computer savvy as we would like them to be and that the youth are, but the youth, they don't have the wisdom. You know, mm. when I was coming up, we wouldn't disrespect Miss Williams walking down the street. Absolutely Even not. Even if we were smoking a cigarette, we would you put it your behind butt our beat. back. That's right, you get your butt beat. You, you, you get your butt beat. And now by putting them together, I give the I give the seniors a couple of questions. I mean, the, the youth a couple of questions to ask the seniors. So that engages them. And while they're engaging, the seniors, uh, the youth are actually teaching the seniors basic moves of how to go on to the Newark site to report some issues or, or talk about their concerns without them having to leave the senior building and get on a bus or travel with their walkers or canes. Or, so, you know, we call it devices for all you know, in our digital divide program. So we've been doing so many different things. And what I learned from, from my nonprofit organization, 211 Community Impact, is that some of the things that we've been doing have been Band-Aids. You know, you give out turkeys. Okay, great. We, we do that a lot. We used to give out turkeys with y'all at, when you yes, were so right. at, at the, the station, you know? And that's I got right. pictures of all of that back then, you right. know? And you give out book bags and, you know, school supplies and free haircuts. But that's really like a Band-Aid. You know, because the community comes like here and then to really foster change with after school programs and initiating programs for the youth that really sticks into their mindset and that's sustainable, then that takes political power. You know, mm. you need political power to, to have an effectiveness with education at the school board. You need political power to have an effectiveness with, with uh, your police chiefs and police captains that are in the neighborhoods. You need political power to do these things to actually foster change within the community instead of just 
putting band-aids on it and, and and no disrespect to anybody out there that's giving people clothing and food and all of that but to foster the real change i realized that you have to be at the table creating legislation for your people in your community and you've been doing it for a long time because when i was in west orange new jersey you used to hit me up all the time like ed i need you to come out and help me do this Back. help me do that help your red man to be out there when latifa was around if that's she wasn't right. working on a film she'd be out there we all will be nice. out there to help the community that we love the best. So let's flip the hip hop for a minute, man. And I had a question before you came on. I told everybody I was going to ask you this question. Come on, side, side. You do it all without breaking a sweat. Like being a boss exec to Tuesday tennis to homework. Why do the kids have so much homework? Family dinners, lunches, brunches, trips to the vet, and a weekend getaway that's anything but a getaway. And you do it all in style. Even when you have back-to-back -back conference calls on top of the kids' orchestra recitals, not to mention your side hustle. And that's why we created the fully reimagined Infiniti QX60. A luxury SUV as functional as it is stylish and as versatile as it is serene. With premium features like a panoramic moonroof, ample cargo space, and available massaging front seats to bring the ease of luxury to your everyday. Introducing the all-new Infiniti QX60, designed to help you take on life and all the chaos it may come with, in style. Learn more at InfinityUSA.com. Now with extremely limited availability, contact your local retailer for inventory information. Come on, side, side. Why do you think Lords of the Underground are more revered in Europe than they are in the United States? Um, I think that's because... That's, that's another thing too, right? Going directly to the people. Our DJ, DJ Lord Jazz. Right. He went out there and stayed for a while after tour and they wanted him to be on radio. So he became this big radio guy out there for like six, seven years. He was out okay. there about 13, 14 years. Wow. And, and, and you know, being on the radio edge, you meet and everybody who's everybody promoting films to music to whatever it is. Yes, sir. And they were fans of Lords of the Underground and they were surprised that he was on the radio in Paris. So they would say, yo, we would love to get your group to perform, you know, in Saudi Arabia for this right. person. Or we would love to get your group to perform for this. And so whereas, we started doing so many shows out there. We be just came legend all over again in Europe, man. It's like, and then he moved out there. So he became a resident in Paris. Okay. And then I followed him and moved out there for a year and came back to do some production and stuff like that in movies and television. You mm -hmm. know, we was working on a couple of stuff together. Yes, sir. And then Funk moved out there for four years and bought a great villa out there. So we became like part of, you know, their fabric out there, man. So... They just, they just show love all the way around the board. Yeah, and our music seems to never die. Our celebrity seems to never die. They love the funk in, in Europe. They just love, love it, it, man. Love yeah, it. they love it. They, can, they can't do without it. Like, when you think that your group that you used to love back in the days is doing nothing, nine times out of ten, they're in Europe. That's, that's facts. Right? Because Europe, Europe embraces us, and it loves us so much. Your early stuff, your early, your early sound, you and Funk met each other where? In college, right? Yeah, we, we well, we're both from the city of Newark. And okay. I knew his brother, Burn B. So if you listen to the TikTok record when he, when he talk about he learned from Burn B, that's his big brother. I know, I knew his big brother before I really knew him. I just knew him as Little Turk, you right. know, from the neighborhood. But when we had to get into this program, when we got into this program that took us to Shaw University, he was in the program too. So I met him again but didn't really know him because we weren't from the same area. When we got to college, 
uh, Derek L.A. Jackson. You know L.A. You know, Absolutely. worked over there at Def Jam and does marketing and all of that. He was graduating from Shaw University and he was DJ Lord Jazz's best friend. So he said, Jazz, you know, when I graduate, I'm going to work for my cousin as an A&R. Um, so you need to put together a group. So all around the, the Shaw University campuses and all of the parties, Lord Jazz was the, the DJ. He was the go-to DJ for those four years. And he, I, was, I asked him, can I rap? And I said, start killing the parties, freestyling. And um, he was on the radio station too, WSAJ. Yeah, 88.1. It was a jazz station, but Lord Jazz used to break the rules. He knew that it took the program director an hour to get home, and he overheard the program director saying, when I leave here, I don't turn this radio station on for an hour because I'm here all day. So right. Jazz took that set. All right, he's going <laughs> for an hour. He started playing hip-hop for that one hour every time wow. he left, and it started to blow blow up in, the, in our um, community. And he asked me and Funk to come up and do a freestyle on there. So we wrote a rhyme together. That first rhyme we wrote together was Psycho. And, wow. and then Molly heard it. L.A. Jackson heard it. And he was like, yo, put them together as a group. I'm going to bring Molly down there and listen to him and, and see if we can get them on. And that's exactly how it happened. Man. So you guys weren't a group until you wrote Psycho together? Until we were Psycho together. Y'all two Jack individual artists. Did y'all know who Molly Maul was? Of course. He was the legend. I mean, Molly Maul was like, I don't even know who to compare him to nowadays, but he was out Russell Simmons in the early 90s, man, yeah. in the late 80s, man. Yeah. You know, Juice Big Crew, Daddy Molly Maul. Juice Crew. Coochie he was Molly. Right. <laughs> he was Molly. So, you know, he was the one that I used to tape, you know, on WBLS on the Mr. Magic show, putting the, the little tissue in the back of the tape and taping <laughs> over my right. mother's greatest hits or something. <laughs> You know, so yeah, Marley was that guy, man. So to get with him, it was just like legendary. But I didn't believe it, you know, because I have been down with Redman. Redman was a DJ of mine when I introduced him to Eric Sermon. Uh -huh. I just promised my mother that I would go to school, you know, so I had to keep that promise. So when Redman got on, I had to go to school. So I didn't believe Derek when he's because Derek was a tall, talk, a, a fast talker, you know. Derek, very talkative man. You know, always smacking his hands. You know, I get. But he's not lying. You know, it just seemed like I was taught they do all of that. They lying. So right. I didn't believe him. I was like, man, Molly ain't coming down to no Shaw University. But they was on a Juice Crew tour. Okay. And I didn't believe it all the way until Molly pulled up, man. And Molly got in the limo with a bottle of Moet. He was like, yo, what up? Like, I need y'all to come to the house to hit. And that's how it happened, man. And wow. we killed that show that night. And the next week, we was coming to the house of hits every week while still going to school, but doing our album. We was driving back and forth from Raleigh, North Carolina to upstate Jesus New York. Jesus Christ, bro. That's a long ass. That's like 10, Talk about hours. you. Talk about you. Yeah. Because we was doing it like it was nothing. And talk about hunger. Yes. A lot of times y'all must have had to study in the car when you had Facts. a class or, or, or an exam. Facts. That's Super being fast. hungry. So y'all yeah. were y'all signed to Molly or were y'all signed directly to the label? We were signed to Molly. Okay. Initially, you know, shout out to um, rest in peace to Ruben Rodriguez. Yeah, records, you know, because he signed Marley, and um, I'll never forget that day too. Marley took us to to Pendulum Records, and um, uh, Charles Dixon, Sir Mixon Dixon Sir was Mixon uh, Dixon. Shout out to him too. Yeah, he was he was in the office. Marley played it for him, and he was like, "Yo, I gotta play this for Ruben." And Ruben came in his office. And we played Psycho. We, you know, we performed it. 
performed it right there. Right. By the time we got back to the house of his, Marley said, yo, he want to sign y'all. Wow, that's crazy. I've always yeah. wondered in a two-man group, um, when a beat is produced by a guy like Molly Maul, and it's you and Funky, and y'all both writing, how do y'all figure out who goes first? Because, well, you know, different... Th- All right, go ahead. Tell me that first, and then I'll tell you why I asked. So DJ Lord Jazz put this group together, so we always considered ourselves a trio, a real hip-hop trio, meaning two DJ, uh, one DJ and two MCs, two MCs right. and one DJ. You know, just like the blueprint, like Run DMC. You know what I mean? And that, that's what our blueprint was. So uh, I guess how we figured how to go first was whoever finished their rhyme first. Really? I promise you. So when you hear me going first and you hear Funky going first, we just finished. That's the person who finished their rhyme first. Wow. So somebody is still writing while somebody is laying down, you know. Yep. You know, I always hear Rizzard always say, and the Wu-Tang always say, steel sharp and steel. So have That's you ever right. thrown something away because because Funky was killing it on a record that you had something, you was like, oh, this ain't good enough. Man, Funky used to always kill it to me. So, <laughs> you know, um, uh, I think that that Rizzard's right, though, like steel sharp and steel. Like, we'll write, even though we'll write, we'll write together because a lot of that stuff, I would say, Funk, I want you to say this part in my verse. Right. And then he'll say, yeah, say this part in my verse. And then it'll sound like we in and out. And you know what I mean? But whoever finished their verse first went first. Or we'll say, we'll do it, we'll say it together. Then Molly will say, no, that sounds like the beginning. You know what I okay. mean? Yeah. And, and then that's the way we did it. So like real, real, real production. Like he's producing, not just making yeah. the beat, but he's producing the entire record. Because one oh, of Dre yeah. and I, Dre and myself, favorite Lord of the Underground record is Chief Rocker. Without the shadow of a doubt, with that doom, 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 uh-huh. Chief Rocker. And then, right, then we start hitting our heads up again. It's, a, it's a snap your rec, neck rec, record. Mm-hmm. Did y'all know that that record was going to hit like that? And what did you think when you first heard boom, when y'all first just did the boom shakalaka, yo, here comes the Chief Rocker. It's just like, right. that's a perfect record to me. Right. Um, if you change well, it any way it goes, it messes the entire record up. Facts. Super facts. That record was um produced by DJ K Def. K Def did and, that? Yeah, K Def did that with Marley, wow. but but K Def came with that beat. And okay. um LA LA used to talk to somebody that knew K Def and she was telling them, Yo, I got this producer. K Def just happened to be from Jersey. Mm. So K, uh, you know, um Derek was like, LA was like, look, they from Jersey, he from Jersey, Marley bring him into the house. And he brought him into the house and Molly was like, ooh, this dude is crazy. But right. what K-Dev didn't have, he didn't have the production as a Molly. What I mean by that, like he made the beat, yes. But he didn't have the drops and the sonic that Molly had. So him, Molly and K-Dev together, I uh, was mad. I mean, K-Dev definitely has it now. Oh yeah, absolutely. But he didn't initially have it when, when he first came to the table. And Molly and him together, man, they just produced just amazing. Marley on that board, see, Marley was the first, him and Teddy Riley was the first people to have a SSL in their crib. Mm. And back then, in the 90s, the early 90s, that was a million dollar board. Yeah. In the 90s, early 90s. <laughs> wow. A million dollar board in their crib. You know, so Marley, and, and when Marley got his hands on a young K-Def, it gave him energy again. You right. know what I mean? 
It didn't, it didn't make it sound like the, the juice crew. It gave him energy. So he put all that stank that he had from the from the juice crew mixed with this new sound with these Jersey boys. And, and that's what you got, man. And Chief Rock is one of my favorite joints, too. Yeah, absolutely, man. That re- that record just knocks. It's just some a big shout out to Kate Def for coming with that beat and Molly yeah. for sprinkling whatever needs to be sprinkled on top. Do you remember doing East Coast Sound with me and Dr. Dre in the House what? of Hits? Yes. I was Most so mad definitely. that record didn't get no play, man. That's a dope what? ass record, bro. For real, man. We had fun making it. I thought it was a crazy record. And you'd be surprised though, people come up to me to this day and was and say the same thing you said. And why y'all ain't do a video for East Coast Sound? And yeah. one time I had to say, huh? What? It's like, <laughs> the, the Dr. Dre and Lover joint. Yeah. Like, yeah, that's well, right. You know, at the time, it was so much, the doves was flying around everywhere. Yeah. And and they were rocking, man. And I can't take nothing away from nah, Dre and all of them and Cuban was doing on the West Coast. But I just felt like we needed to represent the East Coast sound. You know what I mean? Right. And, uh, and our sound is different than they sound. That's totally true. different. You know, That's we live true. for the funk, like y'all always said that. Man, uh-huh. what did how did you feel when you heard Biggie sample at? Man, I got it. I got a whole story, yo. I got I got a whole story, man. Okay, um, go ahead, brother. So if y'all don't I'm know in, what I'm talking we, about, it's Machine Gun Funk by Biggie on his first album of Ready to Die. Go listen to right, it. I ain't got right. time to teach right now. Right. So we're popping at this time. We starting to fill ourselves a little bit. We starting to get some money, you know, a couple of cars. Um, this one, Sky Pages was out. We we could beam your number to people and all that. <laughs> the two way, the old two way right, joint. Two way yeah. joint. Yeah. So I'm in I'm in a spot on Wednesday. I think that Puff used to do when he had the white four, the white four door. I think he had a three twenty five BMW or something like that. <laughs> yeah. So at this time, I got two chicks with me. I'm sitting at the bar. Puff comes to me like, yo, what up, dude? I'm like, what up, Puff? You know, he he not really, he not the mega Puff yeah, yet. He ain't Diddy yet. He ain't Diddy nah, yet. Nah, he ain't Diddy yet. He's but still he's Puff. Puffy. He was still Puffy. Yeah, he, but, but he's doing his thing in the right. A&R and all that. So he like, yo, we in the studio. When we knew about Big, we knew that Big was coming. Right. So he was like, yo, we in the studio with Big tonight. And Faith going to be in there. Because he know Faith is from our city. So right. he's like, Faith going to be in there too. He said, yo. I need y'all to come by the studio tonight, man, if you can. And I was like, well, I don't know if we're funk at. It's like, and I'm kind of chilling, you know? Right. I'm telling you, come by the studio tonight. I hit him with the, man, just beam me your number, man. And I'm going to see, you know, if I, you know, if I ain't caught up, I'm going to slide through. Right. The worst mistake I ever did. I did not (laughs) go. But they still sampled the voice. Right. But I didn't go. And, and that scene was depicted in the big in the notorious movie where wow. they was making machine gun funk. Right. So I feel like I wrote myself out of history <laughs> by not going to the session. So he wanted you to actually come in, you and Funk to come in and do it live. Maybe I don't know. He didn't say he just said big is in the studio and we love and big is a big fan of y'all. So right. come to the studio. Who uh, knows what that could have turned into? Oh, damn it, dude. Yeah, you might have been on the record. Yeah, you might have been on the record. Damn, yep. bro. Because, yeah, yeah damn, bro. <laughs> I don't even know I hit him with the I'll hit you later. Right. <laughs> the, 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 brush off. the brush off. Word. Yeah, puff with the brush off, bro. Because from what I understand, and um, somebody will probably hit me and tell me that I'm wrong about this, but people were saying 
that Big wanted that to be the first single off the album. Most definitely. He, he Most was definitely. a hardcore dude. He Machine yes. Gun Funk was supposed to be his first single. Puff forced him to do Juicy. He didn't yes. want to do Juicy. He, you, you're exactly right. Big told me that himself in the Hit Factory. He right. said, yo, I got this new single, man, with y'all voice on it. I, I want to put it out. Like, right. Big was a fan of Laws. Yeah, if absolutely. You think about it, look, and I know people might say I'm crazy, but listen to early Funky Man before Big came out, and then listen to early Biggie. With Who the is high, he trying to sound like? Yes, with the high-pitched voice. The He's voice trying to sound like Funky Man. Yes, he was. He's a big fan. He was a huge fan of Lords of the Underground. That's I know right. that for a fact. And that that high pitched voice, the way he was rhyming, and then if you look, if you listen to all that's Lords, man, and it's specifically funk. Right, that's crazy, bro. I never, I never really thought of it like that, but I know he was a big fan. That's why he wanted Machine Gun Funk to be the first yeah. record. He wanted to come out hardcore in his yep. in his own manner. Puff is the one that said. We need radio record, bro. That's right. <laughs> I got That's this right. juicy sample from M2 uh -huh. May. Do what you do. Say what, say your street stuff, but you're going to mm -hmm. have to say that over this smoothed out. Over this. Right, so yep. we can get some airplay. If we come right out with Machine Gun Funk, it might not work for us, but if we come out with something radio friendly, off the right. rip, with the singing on it, and you know, I don't understand how you did that. You know Faye was your girl and you ain't going to the studio, bro. Right, right, man. I I don't know, man. I, I don't remember. I just remember I told him I hit him and didn't go. I I, I had I know I had two women with me. I don't know. I'm probably just killing myself. <laughs> you think it was gonna be a great night? <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking it's gonna be a great night. It's gonna be it could have been a great night. history. It could have been super <laughs> dumb history. That is crazy, dude. What would yeah, you say? I got, a, I got a few a-hole moments in my career, man. You wanna give me another right. one? We got time. So I'm at I'm at um Malik Yoba's restaurant. Okay. You remember the restaurant? I, I think MTV was next door or something like that, right? Over okay. There? Yeah, on yeah, so, Street. Right. So I'm at Malik Yoba restaurant. I get skunky drunk. But, you know, I'm, I'm into the acting thing. I want to... Uh, Denzel is shooting a movie with um, Ray Allen and, and um, Spike. Oh, um, when Ray played Jesus Shuttleworth. He got game. Yeah, he got game. So they're shooting He Got Game. So I hear that uh, Denzel is going to be there just chilling out at the restaurant. You know, Malik was our guy. So I wanted to go to him and talk to him about some movie stuff. And uh, Deidre Tate set it up. Shout and he was cool Deidre with Tate. it. Yes. Shout out Deidre. He was cool with it. Like he was going to kick it with me about it. I got super drunk, yo. I'm playing with Denzel's Afro. I'm, I'm <laughs> messing with him. I'm drunk as I don't know what. All I remember is waking up the next day and Deidre was like, I can't believe you, dude. I can't believe you. I'm like, what? She was like, you lucky Denzel was cool because he was taking everything in stride. He was like, but you blew your opportunity. You were supposed to meet with him and talk about movies and you was just wilding on some drunk shit. I mean, junk, excuse me. That's all good. Some drunk, some drunk stuff. I was like, I can't wow. believe it, man. Wow. <laughs> you get yeah. one of the greatest actors of all time willing to all talk time. to you about acting and give you some pointers and let you know what you should do, what path you should follow. What? And you mess it up messing with his afro. <laughs> While he was shooting the movie. Wow. <laughs> right, right. While he's doing, he got game. He probably would have said, come on down and jump in the scene or something. Yeah, let me, get, let me get you in something real quick. Let me talk to Spike. Yeah. Damn, dude. That, yeah, yeah, that's crazy. another a-hole moment, bro. Now, yeah, I, go, I, I, go keep you, brother. I appreciate you. I know right. you got running around to do. 
But brother, tell yeah, everybody man. again when they can go out and vote for you. Man, um, on May 10th, 2022, for the uh, Newark Municipal Ca uh, City Council, we have the opportunity to elect one of the first platinum selling hip hop artists in the United States of America in Newark, New Jersey, Dupre Kelly, better known as Do It All from that legendary hip hop group, Lords of the Underground. And we're gonna do it, man. This is not easy. You know, uh, I had to prove myself in a lot of different ways, you know, make sure that I know certain policies and legislation and for the people. But uh, like I said, man, when you're closer to the people with the pain, then you, you should have the opportunity to create policy and make change for them because you directly are close to the problem and the issues and the situation. So May 10th, 2022, tell your friends to tell your friends. In Newark, New Jersey, we're voting Dupre Kelly. Dupre Kelly, Dupre Kelly on May 10th. And that's ballot number C4 or 4C. C4 or 4C. May 10th, Team Baraka, man. And shout out to the entire Team Baraka and Team Kelly, man. We're going to continue to move the West World forward and do it all for Newark. I know you are, brother. And, I, and I've seen you do it firsthand. And I know how much you love your city, man. And they, they can't do any better than you. They need to I vote. I appreciate that. They man. need to vote you. I love you, brother. And thank you for spending some time man. with me, man. Tell the family I said peace, too. I sure will. All day, my man Dupre Kelly, May 10th, C4 That's or right. 4C. Get that man right. in. He stands, I stand behind him, and he's a man of his word. When he gets in there, it's not going to be, he's going to have to play a little politics, because they all do. But Mitch, yeah. I'm telling yeah. you, he's going to make a difference. He's going to make a difference in that West War. I believe in you, brother, and I love you. Thank you, my friend. Love you, too. And all right. Yeah. man, feel better, too, Ken. I will, brother. Thank you. I appreciate it. This Ed Lover podcast is being done in conjunction with Cigars International. Make sure you check out CigarsInternational.com for all your cigar needs. This episode of Come On, Son, the podcast is produced, engineered, and edited by Cam Quotes and Krista Hayes. Recorded out of Atlanta, Georgia, this is an official Loudspeakers Network podcast brought to you by Ed Lover. Be sure to check out the return of Come On, Son, the web series exclusively on Patreon.